Week six of the Legacy Leagues was the week of, uh, is that team really going to win? Is that team really going to lose? It was a lot of that going on, at least during the seven o'clock games, and then things kind of held serve the rest of the night, I'd say. But welcome to the week six post-game show. Week six already, so two weeks of the regular season left. We'll get to some playoff stuff in a second. I'm sure Aiden will be ready for that. Look for an article on some playoff preview type stuff as we get you know, towards the playoffs, as every team will make it. But let's, uh, let's get into week six. One of those games I was talking about where, you know, is this really going to happen? Like, what's going on? Was only the fam and the werewolves will start there on court one. Uh, only the fam started 2-0, has not won since. The werewolves, I believe, had like a shaky start, and they may not have lost since that. Um, they're 4-2. They improved to 4-2. Only the fam drops to 2-4. and four, But only the fam was hitting shots. They were keeping pace. And then in that second quarter, it got to a point where I believe they were up 9, 10, 11 points. I believe it got to double digits. We'll get to Aiden in a second. Tim will help us break down the court three games, and then we'll get to the boy bowl. Not necessarily last, but we'll let both of them jump in on the boy bowl uh, between the Ozone boys and the Duyes boys. So Aiden, we'll start with the werewolves and only the fam. 92-71, it took a 20-point fourth quarter edge for the werewolves to win by 21. So my math there, they were up one entering the final quarter. So we'll start there. What happened in that fourth quarter that allowed the werewolves to uh, sneak it out and then not so much sneak it out and get the win? So I think it was more or less great defensive play by the werewolves and only the fam was probably tired as they only have five guys. Werewolves only had five guys. They made it work. But Brian Heston just had a monster game. 37 and 22 rebounds. Every rebound was just going to him for every missed shot that only the fam had. Only the fam did improve, though, because it actually looked like they wanted to be out there on the court and actually play. Oh, my God. Actually play everything because they started to play defense, which was a good step in the right direction for them. And like you said, during halftime, I think they had a six-point lead at half. But fourth quarter rolled around. And the Werewolves just put their foot on the gas and never light up. Brian Heston with a good game. Connor Harrington with a great game, 13 of 14. They were just unstoppable, the two of them. A lot of nice lobs. Gansert was able to pass the ball around well, but they just were like, we're going to take this game over, and they wanted to win. And so a lot of three-pointers, that's what stood out to me, especially for only the fam. 16 made threes for only the fam as we look at the Werewolves. Three right? They only made three all game and 16 for only the fam. So I'll lead into, you know, with that stat, throwing it back to you, was it just the three pointers that allowed only the fam to build that double digit lead in the first half? I necessarily think so. You have deadly shooters on the team with Mike and Perry, who's good there. And Jaron had shot well from three, but this is the game where Mike actually came out and looked to play. Dropped 22 at Almost four of 12 from three, but they kept shooting the ball, which is what he needed to do. And I think so, yes, they obviously 16 to three made for the werewolves. I believe Heston only had one. Gino might have had one and uh, Joe had the other one. But I think it's because they were just able to shoot the ball better in that game, which led to them having the early lead. And then when it cracked down, they weren't making the rest of their threes in order to keep that lead. And the werewolves just weren't making shots and only the fan wasn't making shots. Yeah, and so just one stat that I, I noticed quick and had to double check, 45-26, I believe. 45-24 was the rebounding edge. And the only way that happens is 
is, I mean, a, a decent amount of offensive rebounds with nine, but that just means that only the fam besides hitting those threes, 36% from the floor, you know, from two or from field goal from the whole floor and uh, werewolves 55%. So when you're missing more, there's obviously more rebounds. And then only the fam was not able to get the offensive rebound. And that prop that definitely also contributed as well. So like I talked about only the fam two and four, and I should have been more prepared. Let's see who they have next week. Sin City. So that'll be interesting. We're going to get to them in a second. Sin City, I know, is three and three. I don't want to jump too far ahead. Werewolves take on the long, the longtime rival halfway crooks next week in a game that um, we'll get to some playoff stuff in a second. Werewolves four and two, halfway the crooks, halfway the crooks, halfway crooks three and three. Uh, and so that'll be a game that definitely impacts those standings for playoff seating in the middle of the pack there. But yeah, so where we'll sneak it out. Let's get to the other game where I was really, um, you know, doing the, the, the that's not going to happen. And then you go back over there and it's like, ah, oh, you know, they, they still got it. And I'm talking about the Rhode Island Warriors and bogey kicks. So bogey kicks looking for their first win, the Rhode Island Warriors looking to, you know, after going 0 two and playing the two best teams in the league, according to the standings have not lost. And so that stands, they were able to win. They win by three. I missed the end, but I know that there was a three-point chance to tie it for bogey kicks. So there's that. Uh, second week in a row, as I mentioned to Gian, and he's mentioned in his interview, you know, where it gets a little scary down the stretch. Um, I was talking about Sin City last week, and Rhode Island Warriors were able to sneak it out. Rhode Island Warriors, again, getting those reps in crunch time of a very, very close game against other human beings, and that counts, right, especially when it comes playoff time. Uh, and they sneak it out by three against bogey kicks. And, you know, it was back and forth. Look at the stats in a second. But, Tim, let's get to the, the big question, right? I mean, was it just hitting hitting threes? How, how was bogey able to, you know, keep it close and, and almost get their first win against a team that a lot of people think are, like, the third best team in the league, maybe by far now? Uh, but what, what, what was bogey doing, you know, in the, throughout the whole game to keep it close? Yeah, so uh, Bogey, they got off to a good start. They were led by Chase Banks. Uh, he probably had his best game in the Legacy Leagues. Um, him and Matt Bogey were keeping them um, within uh, striking distance in the first half. Uh, I don't believe this game was ever uh, even a 10-point deficit in the first half. Um, it was really close. <clears throat> um, I've been impressed with Matt Bogey's improvement to his game. He had 30 last week, another 20-point game. I think if bogey kicks are going to get a win on the board, he's going to be a big part of that. Um, second half definitely was a big switch. David DePina showed up, and he pretty much went on his own run in the third quarter. Uh, Rhode Island Warriors, I noticed, struggled with the size of bogey kicks. Bogey kicks with Chase Banks and DePina, that's two bigs that they struggled to uh, keep out of the paint. Um, but overall, I just think the Rhode Island Warriors, uh, they, they clutched it out. I mean, a win's a win. They forced a lot more turnovers in the second half. And as you can see, Gian did his thing. Um, I know he wasn't too happy about his efficiency, but I mean, still 50, 50 is 50. So, and they needed all of them. That's for sure. And 50 is 50, um, no matter how you slice it. But yeah, 20 for 44, four for 18 from three. Another week of shooting from three for Gian where, you know, just, he, he, again, I'll bring it up every week. He's brought it up. He likes the color purple, right? It's all good. Uh, lights up the crooks from three and then, um, you know, still drops 50, 
four made threes, but you know, 14 misses from three. I was watching, um, you know, both seven o'clock games, but especially this one. And we'll go back to Tim on this point. I mean, at least so first quarter bogey was down. I mean, you see at the end there seven, but it was, you know, double digits in the second quarter, they kind of flipped it. But even in that first quarter, I was like, the Warriors are getting better shots and, and it was easier for them to score versus bogey kicks, you know, having to execute and they were hitting shots. And so, you know, kind of always evens out on that front. Um, but was it a lack of size? I mean, we can kind of touch on both teams here in the flow of this game it was close throughout Rhode Island Warriors able to erase that deficit and really had to make some clutch plays down the stretch. They hit their free throws. That's how you win games and a win's a win for sure. Like I'm the first to admit that, trust me, but um, you know, yeah. What was the key as you were watching Tim? I mean, was it just bogey hitting shots and it, it did even out? Was it a lack of size? Cause we've talked about that, right. With the Rhode Island warriors where, you know, if you have chase banks and you have David Depina, hope, hope I get that right. Um, you know, you have them, um, you know, attacking the hoop and then there's no one, there's no resistance there. That's going to help their field goal percentage. So what, what was it for you, Tim, um, you know, in this game that, that ended up being the key? Yeah, I think I think size had a lot to do with it. Um, bogey kicks rebounded the ball very well. Um, another person I didn't mention, Mike Evans, he was close to a triple double, just a point and an assist off. Uh, if he's contributing like that for them, I think they have a shot to turn this thing around. Uh, but yeah, um, basically Rhode Island, uh, they didn't really have a big to play those two guys. So whenever they got into the paint, it was either they were getting fouled or they were kicking out or if sometimes what the Warriors would do is they would force turnovers with them. They would send doubles and they would force turnovers. So that's how they were stopping them. But a lot of the time there's not much they could do with guys that were taking it inside that often and are that size. And so, yeah, we'll see how that impacts. I mean, four wins in a row, one more time, a win's a win, right? So they'll, they'll take it, uh, especially where they find themselves in the standings now tied for third with the werewolves and they don't play this season. I don't believe, I believe I checked today. So that tiebreaker will come down to our math equation. Um, if they finish with the same record, those two teams still a lot of basketball left, but we expect the warriors kind of like, I know the uh, low post pod has done some forecasting for the playoffs and they expect the warriors to win out, right. Taking into consideration their remaining schedule. And so six and two, the, the werewolves would have to win out and then it'd be a math equation. Right. But the warriors control their own destiny for that three seed. And that's kind of what it's coming down to the warriors do as well. And then, you know, again, we'll leave it up to RPI, which takes into consideration who you played and the records of the teams you played. But um, yeah, I mean, both of those teams fighting for that three seed and that puts you on one side of the bracket versus the other, you're going to have to beat some good teams to get to the finals anyway. So not that at that point it ultimately matters, but it could make that first round matchup easier because as we get to the halfway crooks in Lob City, halfway crooks now one of those teams with Sin City. And then we're going to talk about the Ozone Boys, who, if they rattle off a couple, can find themselves in that four seed if they get lucky, but mainly five, six, seven, eight spot, where then that will impact who the three seed possibly plays or who the two seed plays. And that could be a first round matchup. You know, I've said it, you don't want to play Sin City, right? So depending on where they fall, that, that's a first round matchup that you want to earn to avoid, right? So uh, halfway Crooks and Lob City, it finishes an 11-point game, but it was not this close <laughs> uh, as a witness. Um, talk about lack of size for the Warriors, right? I mean, Lob City had, a, you know, Victor Cashew Jr. comes out of the woodwork for this one, right? And he plays, you know, big. 
Um, he's been in the league forever and, you know, is a great, great player, even though the stats may not show it. Carl Lee, you know, makes his, he warms up for this game. As I found out, he leaves like after the first quarter, he's going to another men's league game. He came to warm up so he can qualify for playoffs. So he's good to go, but he is big and faster than I'll, you know, Jeff Winchell thought <laughs> on that play we saw on Snapchat. Um, mm-hmm. And then they obviously have, you know, Nuri, uh, Mahmoud back, you know, no Jose, but Colin Burns still down low. So we talk about size is going to be a key in that game and foul trouble for the halfway crooks. Aiden, you know, it was kind of close in the first quarter. And then we can talk about Lob City now. What did they do in that? Was it second quarter? Second quarter? Yeah, 13 to four. So that's going to hurt. And then especially in that third quarter to kind of blow it open. What did uh, Lob City do to earn their fifth win? I think they were just able to play together well as a team. Like you said, no Jose. So they had their core group that's been since the beginning, which was Victor, Cody. Uh, Nuri, Greg, and uh, even Justin Tavis, I believe. The core group yep. has been there since the beginning. And Cody Cody didn't miss. I mean, it, yeah. it felt that way. So that, you know, yeah, Cody, he, right. He was able to just knock his shots down. Any shot that he put up looked like it was going in. And this is the this is his game where he kind of was able to just take control of it. And Colin Burns had 19-2 shot very well from the floor. But Cody, like, Cody has these games where he either takes a backseat and lets the other team do it, or he goes out and it's a score that the team needs, and that's what he did tonight. And I think they just went off of that energy. And he was 6 of 11 from three, so he was knocking down his shots, and they just played well together. I think Victor coming back for this game, the addition of him and how he spaces the floor, even Nuri was back for this game. And like you said, Carl Lee was there for the half. And I just think, good size in that team and they were just able to play cohesive basketball and as for the crooks just not a great shooting night from some of the players just unable to really match lob city size i feel weird saying that you know because you know you guys have jeff but they were just unable to match it shots weren't falling down nearly as quickly and then towards the end the box score looks different but they were you guys were able to hit shots in the end to cut the lead but it was kind of garbage time but it was just good matchup overall but Lob City was just able to hit more shots and do it efficiently and just play better basketball. Yeah, and so we talk about the shooting um, first anyway, 37% to 50% from the floor. I mean, 10 made threes to nine made threes, but a lot of the threes for the Crooks, I would say half of those came in the fourth quarter, which made it an 11-point game versus a 22-point game. Um, And so take those with what they are. They still count, but and I'm sure that helped the shooting percentage, so – some of the numbers from how it felt in that second or third quarter, I think are skewed, um, you know, versus what we're looking at here, but yeah, lack of size. I mean, it'd be nice to have an extra big body, you know, so if foul trouble does happen or even to go with Jeff and another big body like Dylan Lincoln, I'll call him out. <laughs> Hopefully he comes the last two weeks. Uh, I'm already working on fixing that size issue for next season. So the, the uh, you know, the, the general manager never sleeps <laughs> when it comes to legacy leagues, but as far as this season, I mean, you know, size is huge. Right. And then, you know, four points in the second quarter, uh, like I talked about, you know, Lob City's defense picks up, they go with certain lineups where they're maybe not as big, um, but they, they have the length and the size and still the rim protection and the ability to get out and run. And that's what they like to do. Um, anything else, Aiden? I mean, I, I know, you know, we covered it. There's not, it, it wasn't this close. Like there's not, you know, it kind of went as I think a lot of people expected, 
a, a poor shooting night from the halfway crooks in combination with Lob City forcing that poor shooting night gets you this type of result, right? Yeah, that's it, Aiden. No, that's it. Oh, You're good. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does, but I think in the last couple of weeks, Lob City has not – well, I might be wrong, but this might have been, been the lowest. No, they've scored 61 against Duyez last week. But it's different when they score a lot less points because, like, if they score a lot, then it's easier that way. But when they score less, I think they play better, and they're playing better basketball, and they're choosing their shots. But like you said, the box score really doesn't match how the game went. It's just overall they were hitting their shots, and there's, like you said, not really much else to say about this game. Yeah, for sure. Good point on the on the scoring. Um, yeah, I, I that's a great way to put it. When they're scoring less points doesn't mean they're not playing as well. They're probably playing better um, against a better team, and they're actually executing. And then I think it credits their defense uh, that they're still able to win. Yeah, scoring, you know, well – Two years, boys, it was a close game and they didn't shoot well. So that's a whole different story, which we talked about last week. But they get to win five and one on the season, uh, all alone in that second seed. Uh, and so the top two seeds, which are looking like if they take care of business, will be Two years, boys and Lob City. In the playoffs, they will get a team in, the, in the, their first game, which will be the quarterfinals. They'll get a team that already played that same night when the seven plays the 10 in the first round and the eight plays the nine the winners of those get the top two seeds. There's an advantage for getting a top two seed, uh, not necessarily a buy, but a team that will definitely be tired <laughs> come playoff time. But uh, one of those teams that I talked about earlier that you, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I wouldn't want to see in the playoffs Sin city. They get the win. Uh, they improved to three and three and arguably could be where the Rhode Island warriors are. If that game last week goes differently, but it didn't, a win's a win, but they're on that cusp of four and two, three and three. So they're right in the middle, but they do earn their third win. Take down the Lincoln 18 or 79, 65. We talked about Devon Pina um, and Taj Eddington, both, you know, with over 23 points combining for 60 of their 79. So there you go. Math on the spot, but you know, Sin City, I, I'm, I was busy. I didn't see this one. So I'll let Tim go, but I'm pretty sure I had control of this one, uh, especially by the looks of the highlights. But what, what was Sin City able to do to kind of get back on track and get that third win? Yeah, um, this was just a steady diet of Devin Pina in the paint. Um, Lincoln, they play a, a lot different defense than most teams. They run a zone, and uh, it was a little hard for Sin City to adjust to that in the first quarter. But as you see, after that, they kind of got it going and didn't really look back. Um, yeah, basically, um, that two-man game with Taj Eddington and Devin Pena, it really works out well for them. I liked uh, how uh, Yariel Rodriguez played. He was putting up a lot of shots, uh, three-pointers, keeping them honest, giving an outlet for Taj to kick out to. Um, you know, Lincoln, they, they played well. It just they didn't shoot well enough. Once again, I feel like I say that every game with them, but it is true. Um, Chris Adams, he did all he could down low against Devin Pina. There's just, you know, Devin Pina's 30 and 15 typically every week. But I just need to see Sin City. Uh, they, they seem to falter at end of games. It seems like a recurring pattern. And I think they, they really need to re get that right because in the playoffs, they, they're going to be playing some close games. And 
we see Duye's boys, they're undefeated because they're great in close games. And I think that's the difference between these two teams. It's not that big of a margin, but that ultimately is the difference. I want to take that transition so bad. That's a good transition to the Duye's boys. Thanks, Tim. But quickly, uh, Sin City, 37 for Devon Pina and 17. So that's worth mentioning. 43 rebounds to 40. So even though that seemed pretty even, you'll see Brendan Reddington led the way with 19 points but I can't turn down the transition to the boy bowl. So there you go. Speaking of the Duyes boys, they squeak one out and squeak one out is strong, but I give Ozone credit for keeping, definitely keeping the, uh, the Duyes boys on their toes throughout. Just when you thought, you know, uh, I had Jared, you know, we were watching the game after our game. He's like, I want to leave, but they're not, this, it's not over. Like, and that's, that's exactly right. Uh, the Ozone boys able to keep it close, make it interesting and uh, ultimately unable to overcome and, I don't know for sure. I don't believe ever had the lead. They might've had the lead in the third quarter. I don't believe they ever had it in the fourth. And I, I'm, I'm pretty certain with that one. I don't think they were ever able to come all the way back. Let's go with no. Cause if it started the fourth, it was Duyez boys. And I could be wrong, but definitely late in the game, they were never able to retake the lead and really put that type of pressure on, but it is the Duyez boys staying undefeated, getting their sixth win 83 to 74 led by some familiar faces, Vinny Volpe and John Kutu. We'll go to Aiden, and then we'll get Tim in on this as well. You know, I guess just what stands out, I mean, a huge first quarter, 25 to 11, and then you're like, all right, you know, maybe it gets out of hand, and not, not the case at all. I mean, the Ozone boys, they seem to kind of battle back, and then we're still trailing at halftime, but, you know, what was the key matchup, right? I mean, neither team really the biggest. We've talked about Ozone boys not having, you know, that size, that maybe kind of will impact them in the playoffs. Maybe it won't. Uh, the Duyez boys obviously have Shane Patrick, but when they go to that other lineup, they also play on the smaller side. Vinny Volpe and John Kutu will beg to differ that they can guard anybody, which they have proven so far being 6-0 that they can. What's, what was the key in this one, Aiden, between two teams? You know, the boy bowl, let's just say Duyez back. So there you go. That's their second win, 2-1 and one in the boy bowl, uh, as they made sure everyone was aware. But, yeah, what was the key, Aiden? I think it was – Again, just playing great basketball. Both of these teams, they're pretty evenly matched. Like you said, Duyez has the size with Shane and when they have Nate come in for a little, couple plays. But I think with Ozone is they have so much athleticism in Paul McGuire. And he's just – when he goes into the game, he, he's, I feel like he wants to dunk on everybody every single time. It's like he's playing with 110% heart. And I think that's why the game was close. Everybody – it looked like the Ozone boys, they're one in four, I believe now. It looked like they just wanted to come out to win. And they may have had the lead in the third. I don't know. But they had the lead at one point in the second, I believe. All the chirping throughout the game. But back to Duyez, I think it's just it, an okay shooting night for them. But it's just collectively basketball. Like Vinny, John, and Zach, both, all three of them dropped 20. That's 60 points right there, minimum. And YRC. He didn't shoot that great, but he was able to drop 12. And when Shane's out there, he brings a big presence. And I think he likes to get into people's heads with all of his talking. And it happens. And people can't deny it. But it's they're 6-0, and and they play a collective basketball like Lob City. They're one of those teams that you can score on them and everything, but when it comes to crunch time, they know how to close games and they know how to win games. And that's why they're 6-0, and and that's why they are the only other champion other than Lob City in this league. For sure. And Tim, so let's talk about the uh, Ozone boys, if you don't mind. 
uh, you know, how were they able to keep it a game and make everybody have to stay till the end to see who won, right? I mean, you know, we talked about when they had a lead already. Um, so back and forth is a valid statement, but what, you know, how was Ozone as, let's give credit to Andrew Kvang for sure, made his presence known, uh, 18 points and always seemed to have some, like they needed a bucket and he was able to go get one. Um, but what, you know, what did Ozone do well and they are one in four that they hope to take into next week and get two wins. And we'll talk about that in a second. But um, yeah, what did Ozone do well, Tim? Um, I think Ozone uh, throughout the game, um, they defended really well. Um, there was not a big discrepancy on the boards or anything, but you no, know, Ozone, they were able to force turnovers when they needed to. They were able to get out and run. And I think that's when they're at their best. Ozone, they have a lot of great athletes and they want to push the pace. And when they do that, it, it can get out of hand quick. As you can see, uh, 22 to 11 third quarter um, for Ozone boys. Um, unfortunately, they couldn't keep that going in the fourth. The Duyez boys have shown time and time again, they're the best fourth quarter team in the league. Uh, John Kutu always coming up with clutch plays. Tartaglia, got to mention, he had a great game today. But yeah, I, I don't think Ozone should be too discouraged by this game. I think they can compete with anyone. Um, and they have a lot more depth than most teams do. Um, and I think that'll be their strength going forward. Yeah, and so it's about to get real interesting, like I talked about, and we'll pull up the standings in a second, but the Ozone boys will play two games in week seven. They'll take on Lob City, I'm pretty sure. Yes, and then they'll get an hour off, and they'll take on the Lincoln 18ers. So they split those, let's say, just if everything kind of goes according to semi-chalk, because they do have the same record currently as the Lincoln 18ers, they get bogey kicks in week eight to finish out the season. So if they're looking at three and five, that's going to put them in them in that mix. I talked about of seven, six, seven, and then that team may play the two seed, which could be lob city. So they can get a rematch with them. They might get up to the six seed and play the three seed. So again, one of those teams that's made a semifinal, I'm pretty sure, uh, but is definitely seasoned in this league. We're in a one and done game. I'm good. <laughs> you know, that, that's a tough matchup for a first round where you're supposed to be a higher seed and kind of, you know, you earn that spot and standing across, you know, the court in your quarterfinal game is the ozone boys, right? So not, not the dream for any one of those top seeded teams, which is why it's going to be so great to kind of see where everybody finishes because you can be the three seed and it, you may have rather been the four seed, depending on how your team plays in the matchup. Like it, there's no way to really tell that right now because like the uh, low post pod has said, it's not necessarily the most talented league we've seen, but it's the, like, there's a lot of good teams. There's a lot of teams that can play well and beat each other. And I think two teams have separated themselves so far and the warriors and probably werewolves would beg to differ right now that they're in that mix um, with lob city and the Duyez boys, but it goes seven and a half. I think only the fam, if they don't miss in a playoff game can get interesting if, with the amount of threes that they take and the amount of variability. I didn't think I'd be saying that word today, but the amount of chance that that puts in a one and done playoff game, they shoot 60% from three that, you know, they could win a first round game. Um, so seven and a half teams where it's like, all right, that's a, that's an interesting matchup. Those two teams going against each other. So we'll see come playoff time. Let's get this, uh, these standings up here. Give me one second. Um, and so currently it's giving me crap. Here we go. All right. So currently, like we talked about one and two seeds, we have a tie for three and four, two teams sit at three and three, and then only the fam at two and four and the Lincoln 18ers and ozone boys will play two games to get back on track. 
in week seven, one against each other. So the way it currently sits, like I talked about, we'd, talk, we'd be looking at the Warriors taking on Sin City in a 3-6 matchup, which I'm in. That'd be fun as hell. You know, halfway crooks and werewolves again. So we get a rematch. That'd be fun in a playoff game, but it's not going to stay like this. And so the seven would play the 10, the eight would play the nine. And even, you know, if only the fam drops down and it's only the fam ozone boys in that eight, nine matchup, like that'd be cool. Uh, And so we have some interesting matchups to look at. Let's look at the schedule. We'll kind of shift gears really quick. Let's look ahead to week seven. Let's do some previewing week seven, and then we'll get out of here for the week. Six games in week seven, guys. Uh, we start off like we talked about Lob City, Ozone Boys, Rhode Island Warriors, Lincoln 18ers, and then Werewolves and Halfway Crooks. Which game? I guess let's just let's start there. We'll let uh, Aiden get back in. Which game? You could pick any of them. Are you most, most interested in and why? I think I mean, the obvious ones to go Halfway Crooks and Werewolves history, but I'm actually interested to see bogey kicks and Duye's boys. I interviewed Shane last night after the games, and he doesn't think it's going to be close, but they only lost by three last week. And I know they're 0-6, but I think, like Tim touched on before, when Mike Evans and David Depina, right, yes, are being able to shoot, and Matt Bogey, 30-20 and 20 in the last two games, I think it's going to be a fun, interesting matchup. And I, I look forward to that one. Like, the easy way would have been to say halfway Crooks and Werewolves because playoff implications. But I'm interested to watch DA's boys and bogey kicks. Yeah, and so that uh, opens up. I mean, there's been chirping between bogey kicks and Shane Patrick anyway, so that's part of what that interview included. Um, they, they weren't even playing, and Shane was just running his mouth, like, as a fan, which is just, I mean, what else would you expect, right? Uh, so when they take the court, of course, he's going to expect them to win by a lot. And... Uh, I mean, the Duye's boys defend like all the time. And so we talked about how versatile they are and like, you're not just going to go to the rim on them. Um, And so, you know, you're not going to parade to the rim as bogey kicks was this week. um, It seemed versus the Warriors, not that the Warriors don't play defense, but it's just a different type of defense for sure. For Duye's boys, Tim, what game stands out to you? Um, I'm looking to see how Ozone Boys are going to do in their two games this week. They're they're one and four. They're kind of in in do or die mode here. I mean, they 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 have to win to be able to improve their seed. They don't want to end up in that play in. So I think a, a matchup against Lob City potentially, depending on how many people Lob City brings, could be a pretty good matchup. Those are two teams that like to get out and run. Uh, I think it'll be pretty entertaining as well. Probably be a, a lot of good highlights from that one. Um, yeah, so I'm hoping for a close game in that one. And we'll touch on these other matchups, but for sure. And so Lob City and Ozone have played, and so I'm not that good. I don't have the history. I'm not going to butcher a finals matchup like I did in the past and completely forget who played last year. But uh, that one, yeah, those teams will get out and run. And uh, if Lob City has the size, I think that could be the key. And I know we talk about a lot of the same things, but the teams don't change, right? So, I mean, that there's going to be keys to focus on when – when certain teams play looking at the Warriors and the Lincoln 18ers, we can kind of, you know, over under 32 for Gian. <laughs> like, I don't know. Is that, you know, I know that's a lot of points, but I think that's kind of what we're looking at. Um, and even in that one, I mean, I think we both kind of expect the Warriors to take care of business, but after this week, I'm, I'm interested, but let's see how they take care of business rather than just if they're going to, um, 
they, they are not guaranteed to win. That's not what I mean, but just like, is it going to be, you know, where they are kind of able to take advantage and coast, or is it going to be a game like we saw in week six, where they kind of have to battle it out with the Lincoln 18ers uh, werewolves and halfway crooks. I'll give this one to Aiden really quick, just so we kind of touch on them all uh, a key in that one. And then we'll go to Tim for only the fam in sin city book ahead. Aiden. A key in that one. I think the, it's going to be a great defensive battle. Both really great defensive teams. The key matchup, I think, in that one is going to be Connor, Harrington, and Jeff. Both big guys, and they're going to battle each other out. But I think the key for that is um, halfway needs to shoot better, start knocking down shots early, get in rhythm, and the Werewolves just have to get Heston started early and Joe in the mix a little bit. They didn't have a lot of other people scoring last night, but they just – need to get them in the mix. And the key is just having their star players actually play well and knock down shots in the beginning and get in rhythm should be a very fun game. I will not give away the entire game plan, but I will spoil part of what you said. It will not be Jeff Winchell on Connor Harrington. So you figure it out from there who he'll be guarding. Uh, Looking at only the fam (laughs) and Sin City, uh, Tim, what's a key in that one for you? Um, I think it's definitely how only the fam's going to deal with Devin Pina. I mean, we all saw Jeff Winchell's stat line against only the fam. We know only the fam struggles with uh, players with size. So I think the key for them to win this game would be they have to shoot well. Uh, Tucker Aiello, Mike Bartholomew. Mike, he had a good game shooting his best of the season uh, last week. Uh, he has to keep that up if they're going to want a chance. Uh, I know Jaron had a little bit of a down week, but I expect him to, to pick it back up and uh, keep this one close for them. And with the shooting, so great points, with the shooting of only the fam and the way Sin City doesn't like to close games, that is a, that if you put two and two together, that could be an interesting finish, even if it may not look like it entering the fourth quarter, right? You make some shots, you get it close, and then Sin City's got to figure out how to close out a game and, We'll see. We'll see if they can. Uh, week six. All right. So we're looking at week seven. Uh, Tim and Aiden, very good job. This is the week six post game show. Keep an eye out for the low post podcast as they'll have their just, you know, when Duya's boys are undefeated. I mean, of course, they're going to be gloating on the whole podcast. So, um, but yeah, keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for top plays. Got some good plays this week. Let's not forget. Uh, the clip of, of Zach getting blocked and, and he, you know, he's going to dunk on more people than he gets blocked than times he gets blocked. Right. So this is not nothing against Zach, but the sound of that block and the play by Paul McGuire. Great. And it's just so funny. Shane in the background, like put it on his head or I forget what he said. Then the block happens and it's just, you know, nothing. <laughs> so that's how it goes. Right. Um, and that's, that's, you know, a lot of people try it and not many have success. So shout out Paul McGuire on that play for sure and keep an eye out for that one on top plays. But Aiden, Tim, good job. And everybody, thanks for watching.